0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Breakout, an escapist conversation show about all things games, movies, TV, and the life that happens in between them. This is episode number 23. Shout out to, to Michael Jordan. Uh, and my name is Marty Sliva. And as always, I'm joined by Nick Calandra and Casey Wosu. What's up, guys? Good morning. Hey, good morning. This, was like a, this was a buzzer beater episode because my internet's been going in and out all morning. So if I disappear from this, it's not because I'm mad at nick's take on arcane or anything it's just because uh, my internet in wisconsin is <laughs> fucking
1: terrible i don't believe because ken levine struck you down i think, ah, I, think oh, you have levine.
0: Router,
2: I think you have the router right next to you and you're just gonna unplug it at random times yeah yeah
0: just rage quit it's fine it's fine uh is old hey, halo tricks uh is that that's <laughs> well, how that guy I won 100 you. matches in a row <laughs> yeah. nick do you think you could beat the 100 match in a row guy yeah
1: <laughs> please put that in the escapist article and say like look yeah. I challenge whoever that dude is <laughs> that won 100 yeah. Halo matches Fuck
0: it. Oh, you should unplug your own router for that nonsense uh but welcome everyone to our first show of 2022 uh we have a good one today we're gonna talk about the uh the games and and tv and whatnot that we've been playing and watching over our break uh we're gonna talk about some of the most anticipated games we have of 2022 with the caveat that a vast majority of these are probably going to be delayed until 2023 so let's be real probably like three of the games we talk about will actually be coming out um this year, and then our big topic of the day is going to be the uh, Bloomberg Ken Levine Ghost Story Games uh, article that came out earlier this week about how their current game, oh, Ken Levine, who is a creator of Bioshock, uh, 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 their current game is in a bit of a development hell over the past uh, eight years or so, and and. Sort of the auteur theory, so we had a little bit of that conversation yesterday with uh, uh, Jack and Yahtzee on Slightly Something Else, and we're going we're gonna to talk about it today on, on Breakout, so yeah, mm-hmm. how are you guys doing? Doing pretty oh, good. Oh, I'm cold.
2: Yeah, it's, I'm cold too, it's like what, I think it's the wind chill was like negative two today again?
0: Yeah, we had, some, we had some gnarly wind, it was very scary looking outside. Yeah, yeah I, did um, not, I
2: did not enjoy the first snow of the year, I could have, you know, global warming... Kind of don't mind it when I don't have to drive in the snow.
1: Yeah, like fuck, I don't, I'm, I don't I'm, I'm, mind I'm, a systematic <laughs> destruction of the planet. Earth. Yeah, I'm, I'm as fine as with sea levels rising the,
0: a foot or two. But as long as, as, as I can go get make my make
2: Chipotle with no obstructions in my way, then the Earth can. Like, Haven't you heard? Itself. That's
1: the first thing to go, Nick. Chipotle. That's true. All yeah. Right. Well, then yeah. All I'm all going those, with all it. that frozen meat is going to thaw out. It's going to go bad. Don't worry, that meat's already bad. It's fine.
0: Although, if Chipotle wants to sponsor us, I'm more than open to that. They Chipotle is the burrito that won't get you, you don't gut, mix right? your meats. How is my mic too quiet? I still I eat understand. single meats. What is going on? Do you even make people mix meats at Chipotle? I, so,
1: I don't know. There's yeah, probably multiple kinds of animal in the meat at Chipotle. I believe that. Yeah, you sound like a, a little more clear to me as well, I think. Yeah, so just maybe I it's just, in my head. Who knows?
2: I probably do. <laughs> I, I bumped up the. Whatchamacallit? I don't know what I bumped up. I just moved the. No, I that's a. That's
0: the technic- That's definitely a technical <laughs> term. Smack the side of the tower. Oh, Keep the good easy. point. Maybe it's your microphone's damaged, and you should use the cat ears. That's a good point. <laughs> Never. This could be a thing. This could be a lack of cat ears. Um, but no one wants to hear about this. Let's let's talk about some of the stuff we've been we've been consuming over break. Well, also Nick, to, I'm very excited. I want to call out,
2: I want to call it Honey Money real quick. She said I'm using it as a shotgun mic and not a cardioid is because it is a shotgun mic. This isn't a cardioid mic.
0: I don't know what any of that means.
2: Don't worry about it. That sounds like a
0: heart thing. Yeah, cardioid. (laughs) Yeah, do you need to get that checked out? Cardioid.
2: I don't know. Leave me alone. What were you asking me? What was I playing?
0: You can't say, leave me alone when you derail (laughs) me trying to talk about (laughs) games and movies and you're like, no, no, no. Let me talk about this one specific technical thing brought up in chat that no one listening is going to understand. Uh, Nick, fine. you started watching Arcane.
2: I did start watching Arcane. <laughs> well, no, of us. I just, no, I just finished episode three, and I'm I'm into that show. I even my yeah. uh, my girlfriend was sitting there, and like she was amazed by the animation of that show. Oh, uh, it's, so she has no it's so good. No interest in League looking. of Legends. I have no interest in League of Legends, but it does. not really. Let's no. be fair. <laughs> it does a. Uh, <laughs> it does a really good job of like getting you connected with those characters. Uh, the voice acting is really good, and I'm not huge into anime, and it has some of those tropes in there, but it's not like. I don't know what I don't know what the correct way to say it is but it's like it's westernized enough that I'm, it's not bothering me.
0: I don't what like, well, like what tropes do you think it has cuz I think it doesn't have yeah, any, I'm any tropes personally. Um
2: maybe something like just the really over-dramatic action stuff.
1: What the fighting you think is anime-ish cuz I'm I could get behind that like this but yeah, that, yeah, that's little, because, like really good fight choreography. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. I don't know. I don't know. It just
2: you know, like i said it's not it's it 's got some of the hints of anime in there, but not enough to bother me at all i'm going to leave it i'm going to leave it at that because i don't know how to go further with that
0: <laughs> without just sounding racist against the entire nation of japan <laughs> no 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 uh so you're on episode three
2: I finished episode three i got I just got past okay. like the big climatic moment
0: okay right interesting okay, so uh, yeah we won't obviously won't talk spoilers or anything, yeah. but um yeah, we keep beating this drum like none of us are league people. Like I would go as far to say I'm like an anti-league, not an anti-league person, but like I gave zero shits about League of Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately, I think like legitimately first episode, first scene, um, Like immediately hooks you it's just incredible world building like that that entire city is is fully fleshed out every character you meet like Immediately has a really great visual and and writing personality to them. They all have really great arcs throughout the season Um, Voice acting is stellar. I think the style is really great. Someone someone uh, had a Twitter thread about how one of the things uh, uh, It does is it's not afraid to show its characters look ugly like in terms of like facial expressions and everything yeah, yeah, and, uh, and sort that of one being, crying being
2: scene really stuck out to me. It was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally so spit and everything coming out yeah. of her face. Like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah.
0: And also it did the impossible and it made me inter- It made me not hate Imagine Dragons. So incredible.
2: I am that skipping that
0: intro scene. I am skipping that intro. I don't <laughs> like it. It feels out of place for me. I listen, First few episodes, I was the same. And by the end, I had like Stockholm syndrome and it became you, a no-skip. It, it was like succession where the intro became a no-skip for me. Like you gotta, hmm. yeah, it gets you into the gets you into the mood.
1: Um it's well, that's awesome. It, it yeah. is fitting. Like by the end, you I think it fits better, especially once you hit some of those like music video like segments that mm-hmm. pop up here and there. Yeah. Because like those, those really kind of transform the overall story into something that's a lot more uh emotion based, uh-huh. I guess I could say like, like you get, you get the vibe that they're going for more so than the story they're telling yeah. in those moments. And like, I think it really helps make the entire experience feel like, like a much more different and new thing than it is. Uh-huh. And the art style, you know, does that a lot of that as well. But just the choice to kind of use music and motion rather than actual dialogue. I think it's actually really smart and really clever. Uh-huh. I did. a. Yeah.
2: Our- I did. I did post a take on Twitter that like the art style of this show is screaming for a Disco Elysium show adaption using the same style of animation and art. Mm, yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. I want yeah. Because
0: <laughs> Disco Elysium already has that sort of like painted watercolor. To, to yeah. All characters. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I. I want it. I want it bad. Also, like I. I think, like I. I some somebody on Twitter was kind of conversing with me a little bit about my take about like this being the the next standard for video game adaption shows. And I think for maybe some of like the more fantasy stuff or like really sci-fi, I wonder, I wonder if more shows are actually going to go target this arcane route instead of trying to go live action. Uh, I think it just works so much better. Like you can, I'm not sitting there like questioning the the CGI all the time or anything, (laughs) you know, looking at things like, Oh, that looks fake to me. Cause like the Witcher, the Witcher does a pretty good job of it. But it's usually just, like, the the wide shots that you get of a city, and then, like, you get in, and it doesn't really feel the same kind of majestic feeling. Yeah,
0: and, like, to be fair, like, you know, this definitely isn't the first, like, video game take on animation, because we like, even successful ones, like, Castlevania was relatively successful. I don't think nearly as successful as this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, the other thing to take into account is, like, Riot has infinite money, so. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) they weren't, like, beholden by Netflix's budget for this, like, they We're working. They've been working on this for a very long time.
1: Yeah, like I think they're the ones who actually foot the bill and then like sold it to Netflix as like a completed thing. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like other like other like this this Mega Man thing that's coming around the corner, like that's gonna be live action. Clearly, that's to save money. Yeah, like they (laughs) don't. (laughs) They're not gonna put the animation that that show needs. It's so
2: weird. It's so weird that they do that though because it just hurts the brand. It doesn't even help them. If it, the show's bad, yeah, then nobody's gonna watch the, the next thing.
1: They don't. Yeah, they, they should they, if they, they wanna make about... money. <laughs> oh. I, they get paid. I, I, I think that's yeah. the problem. They get paid before this shit comes out. <laughs> yeah, too busy just counting their checks. Um, yeah,
0: Arcane, um, You know, without going into spoilers, like I'm really excited for season two, and I'd be super excited because like League of Legends has is like a big old world right so you could just do a yeah. completely a show with a completely different set of characters in a completely different place it's not like this city's the only place in League of Legends um so yeah I'm like this is it's one of those things where I'd be totally fine with a completely different series with completely different characters that has nothing to do with this um and I'd then totally you have your Avengers
1: team. moment when all those different things <laughs> all collide because that's <laughs> yeah. what uh, probably worked too with is, how right? big League yeah. of Legends is yeah
0: yeah it's funny because I was even like afterwards I watched some of those videos of like here's like what you missed in the shows and like references to the game and they'd be like this character might end up becoming this hero in League of Legends and I'm like oh that's cool and then I was being <laughs> like "Why? I don't give a shit about that like why <laughs> like, well, I don't care if this character like becomes a werewolf or whatever but yeah hmm. shout out to werewolves um cool well and you've also you've been you've been weebing out a little bit on other stuff too you did got tension impact <laughs> and bastion. Bastion isn't oh well, it's like weeb adjacent
1: yeah, uh, yeah I, it's closer I, to arcane than it is yeah i spent a, like art, right? a lot yeah. of my
2: break uh trying a bunch of different games and couldn't get into any of them and i was i was like i've been really wanting like another big open world game just kind of get lost in for a little bit as i wait you know we wait for Elden ring and horizon and all that stuff uh so I, I i've dabbled in genshin impact like six different times never really got hooked into it and then i finally sat down and just like took a day to play it and it finally it finally clicked for me uh and like the gotcha stuff hasn't bothered me at all like i'm adventure rank like 14 so i'm in that grind section now to get to the third part of the prologue story but i mean mm-hmm. all the extra quests you do kind of get there and there's definitely like that addictive loop of like collecting the the primogens and uh just kind of raising that xp which is kind of nice it's, it's really definitely comfort food uh uh-huh. in that sense yeah but,
1: like it's just like a shit ton of very low stakes adventuring in like a really really beautiful world yeah and yeah. i
2: haven't I haven't felt any need to spend any money in it. Like I can definitely I see, that. I could definitely see where people like it preys on people that want to spend money in it because you do want the characters with the different
1: move sets and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, they're well designed. They're cool looking. Yeah, like they have like cool functionality and stuff. But it's like the game still works with your your fire archer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like you don't need the fancy new uh, flame sword Batman <laughs> character D Luke. Yeah, I, I.
2: It's 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 fun for what it is. Uh, I don't. Like the world is really cool and everything. I'm not really super invested in the story. I'm just kind of having fun exploring and, you know, fighting and doing stuff out in the world. But the gotcha stuff hasn't bothered me. It hasn't impeded my progress at all, unless, you know, you really don't like the grind to get to those levels, which to be fair, like, you do have to do a lot just to raise your adventure rank. It takes a lot to do it. Uh,
1: yeah, but I think, a, it demands a lot of time from you.
2: I think I did. I think I jumped into the game at the right time, though. It's like, it's been a year. There's a bunch of expansions now. So I think like there's more, way more than enough content to do that I'm never gonna hit that wall now. Because yeah. by the time I get there, the next expansion will be out if I bother sticking with the game.
0: Yeah, I haven't I played it uh like quite a bit right at launch, like probably 20, 30 hours. Um also same, never felt the need to to give it a single penny. Um mm-hmm. and I kinda held off because I feel like I'm gonna go back to it when I'm assuming because they've announced it, the switch port switch, comes out. Yeah. Um I just feel like this is like a great sort of Turn well, your mind off while you're watching ahead. a TV show and just futz around in the world.
2: The nice thing with the thing I'm excited about for that game that is going to be on Switch is well, hopefully, hopefully it connects with everything else. But just the cross-platform progression, The cross-save that have,
1: thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it'd be nice to be able to, to like grind on Switch, but then if you want to like play on a big TV looking really nice, you could play on you know PS5 or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were really good about that. The only one that wasn't cross-save was the PS5 version, but I think they've they've tried to remedy that uh, mm-hmm. in the last year or so but it's like yeah. a one-way thing like you can like one time register a thing on ps5 and then like that's it oh, that's not okay. that good hmm. also shashank i'm this close to banning
0: you for saying genshin is better than breath of the wild yeah. this close Barf. this close
2: <laughs> i think the world is more visually interesting
1: but that's about it i think this is what this is what i was, what I was saying before everyone nuts! tried to attack me That game looks better than Breath of the Wild. I'm not saying it is better. It's, you know, focusing on different things in different places. But in terms of just like a big open space and how well it looks, Genshin Mm. Impact has it. I'm sorry. It does. Yeah. I love Zelda. Look at the hoodie I'm wearing. (laughs) I (laughs) I got a Master Sword over my shoulder.
2: I do. I love
1: Zelda. Genshin Impact does look better.
2: Yeah. I like, I like Breath of the Wild as, as more as a game. I think the combat system is better. And I think, uh, I like that all that. There's a lot more systems-driven stuff in Breath of the Wild, but as far as like the world itself, like right. there's so much more visual variety to Genshin Impact. It just, I think it's much better in that sense.
1: Like, have you have you got you've gotten to uh, like the Chinese representation uh, area, right? Uh, Li Liwe, I think it's I, called. That's where I'm heading next. Like the big port I'm, city. No, I've spent okay, like once you get there. Yeah. Yeah, once you get there, you will really see like how gorgeous that game can look. Like the big city, like the the rice paddy fields, like the big gardens, like it is it is stunning. Mm-hmm. I think you're forgetting about Breath of the Wild. It had a big
0: field, it had that canyon. <laughs> Genshin, in <and> fact, <laughs> there was like a hundred big fields. <laughs> there was the the part where the world ends, and it's just like a big chasm. Yeah, yeah, but you forgot about that my, stuff.
2: My biggest thing with Genshin and Remains is that Paimon is the most annoying video game character I've ever heard in my life, and I had to turn off the voice Fine. acting.
0: Okay, so, now uh, if we- that's fair. <laughs> that is, I feel like that's something that, like, when you watch enough anime, you get sanded down. I can like, kind of right, beat, exactly. you, get, you get beaten by that. For me, Paimon, I'm like, wow, well, I've seen more annoying characters in anime, so that's like, like, she fine.
1: She's fine. Comments on best literally voice, everything. It is
2: it. so grating.
0: It, it just. She's funny though, Nick. No,
1: like, I can read the vocals. dialogue. Just listen to what she
2: says. No, I'll read what she says. I don't want to listen to what she says.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who should voice Paimon in the live action adaptation? Kathy Griffin. <laughs> Fran Drescher, <laughs> the nanny for Drescher, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh God. Yeah, her. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. her.
0: Perfect. Uh and Casey, then- you've been watching. Tiffany Tiffany. Oh God. <laughs> she was I watched this movie, The Card Counter, with uh, Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac, and it was like a ser- and she played a serious character. She was really good.
1: I've never seen her play serious. I, I should yeah. watch that. Yeah. yeah, card counter. I think Oscar she's Isaac. Crazily typecast. It's also That's got Will Matthew and Obnoxious. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, she's good. She like when it's it reminded me of uh, Aquafina in uh, 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 the farewell. Did we talk about that last episode? You talked about how you don't like Aquafina. Right?
1: Uh, yeah, I did talk, about but I did want to okay. see her in the farewell. I, I like Aquafina. Awkwati- yeah. She just needs to change her name. Yeah,
0: I agree. <laughs> I, I, it's probably time. Yeah,
1: but uh, I do need to see the farewell.
0: Casey, you've been
1: watching Cobra Kai season four. Yeah, I was. I was planning to bench it, mm-hmm. uh, but I actually only watched the first episode. Um, I. I'm kind of in love with Cobra Kai. like I, I, I first got introduced to it because they showed like that um, this is old, but they showed like that big school of fight scene uh-huh. on like the internet or something. And I was like, this looks terrible. <laughs> like these kids can't like <laughs> like the choreography's crazy. Like the situation is blowing way out of. The port. like this is dumb. but I, I actually watched it up to that point, and all of a sudden it made sense. Like all of the drama and the story surrounding that big altercation made it made you like super invested in it. And since then, I've been way into like that really dumb story because it is dumb. But the thing about it is like all the characters kind of know how dumb it is. Like they, they routinely comment on how stupid it is that these two grown men are rivaling uh, after years of uh, their karate schools beefing and shit. So I'm, I'm completely on board with that. But my fiance was really turned off by episode one of season four because they, they brought in a new character. Well, not a new character. He's in, I think, the second movie and he's supposed to join um you know one of the cobra kai founders in taking down the other school um and he basically lives this la- like he lives in a mansion he has like uh expensive wine in his cellar or whatnot but then like this dirty grungy dude comes and says hey you remember cobra kai help me beat these dudes and he kind of like turned <laughs> He like at first he says like look this is stupid like i should not have been doing that when i was younger anyway like i'm fine now but later in this sh- later in that episode he basically decides like you know what i'm gonna go help this man uh ruin a bunch of kids' lives. And, like, the, I guess the, the sense of realism just flew out the window for her. Yeah, because it's like, you have a wine cellar. You don't need to go, like, beat the shit out of Right. Yeah, you don't need to go teach a bunch of kids karate so that they can attack other children. Like, that's the goal of Tober Kai, is to, like, basically become a street gang.
0: Yeah, that sounds hmm. about right.
1: But I, I kind of like it. I think it's it's dumb in a good way. Um, And the choreography has, has gotten better. Like, some of the fight scenes in that first episode were actually, like, pretty good. Were you...
0: So like I have no connection to the Karate Kid movies whatsoever. Like I saw it, really. I think Karate Kid one and two, like when I was young. But I, mm-hmm. I don't know. They didn't. I never saw them again. And so I haven't watched the show. Like and despite dozens of people telling me I'd love it, I don't know. Like, did you watch Karate Kid as a kid?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. Karate Kid was probably one of the formative movies of my youth. Going back and looking at it now, like it kind of doesn't hold up. Yeah. yeah. Like especially. Well, the second one I haven't seen in forever, and the third one is a new character. So, like, that's kind of not relevant to any of the show, at least not yet. Was well, that the Hilary like S- Swank one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's her and Pat Morita in that so one. So is, in theory, this is
0: the same world that the Hillary Swank character, is it the same world that, like, Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith were in? Or is that, like, a
1: complete, that was just a remake? Well, that, it's a remake, but, like none of that stuff touches any of this stuff okay like I, and if there was a reference to it i missed it because like the whole thing takes place in china not like anywhere near the location of so like yeah. they very well may have ended up in the same uh may have been in the same universe but like honestly that that remake is also really good like i think it's a much I it's a it, much yeah, better that, version. i like yeah, that that's really good
0: yeah yeah what but if first, uh, yeah, that's fair to say what if Ralph Macchio gets a sling ring in the season finale and then opens up a portal <laughs> and then all of a sudden Jackie Chan and Jen Smith come through? That'd be exciting. I don't know why you'd need oh, a portal I... to come from China. You could just get on a flight. Yeah, <laughs> just get it. <a>, well,
1: <laughs> I mean, if you want to save on time, then a sling ring is probably the way to go.
0: Maybe it was during COVID and so flights were grounded <laughs> and so they needed a sling ring to get across the ocean. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, I don't uh, know, but
1: I, I mean, it's a it's a dumb show, but like yeah, like someone was saying in the chat, like i i do personally um like it when shows that are dumb are aware that they're being dumb and Mm -hmm. can't kind of cater to that and lean into their dumbness like as as long as they know that they're stupid i can kind of get behind some of the decisions they make so i've I've really been enjoying it yeah i totally i I totally see where
0: you're coming from there uh jmate in the chat says karate kid over genshin impact that's a take
1: because he he was also saying breath of the wild over genshin so he's just trying to try to pile on genshin right now you're gonna have to do another 24-hour stream where you just play genshin impact i think he needs to do an anatomy on genshin impact yeah it would probably be it
0: probably drives you less insane than playing doki doki literature club for 24 (laughs) hours oh my god uh, and then uh, the the big thing I've been really digging that I've been watching, I'm, I'm two episodes away from finishing Sunny Boy, which was uh, a new anime, completely original, not based on like a manga or a light novel or anything that came out uh, just a couple months ago. It's it's already wrapped up just 12 episodes. Um, it's on Funimation and Hulu, but it's about this uh, high school in Japan that suddenly one day the uh, high school and, and one full class of the kids just disappears and ends up in this black void. And the kids end up developing these weird, like completely different powers. Hmm. But then the, the only, the first episode takes place in the black void. And then they get transported to this sort of Island. Um, and, but the show has this amazing, like sort of a mix, a little bit of lost of like opening the puzzle box, which I feel like I compare literally every week, something to lost. So yep, but that's fair. Yellow jackets last week to Lost. Okay. Yellow jackets is about a plane <laughs> crash and there's two <laughs> timelines. So it's like totally like lost. <laughs> um, but uh, every single episode, sort of, it keeps zooming out the camera on, like, what the hell is actually going on in this situation, and the episodes are willing to, like, completely focus on one character, completely focus on cats. Like, it's batshit insane, but I'm, like, loving the vibe so much. It's it's magical realism. It reminds me a lot of, like, uh, Haruki Murakami's works. Um, yeah, I'm just a, a huge fan, so I, I don't know if it's going to stick the landing, but so far, 10 of the... Ten episodes into the twelve, twelve episode series, I'm absolutely loving. So um yeah, check it out. If you if you like weird shit like that, Sunny Boy. Hmm. It's on Funimation and Who uh Hulu, I believe, and it's dub sub. I was gonna say a third <coughs> thing like weird there's literally like Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, big fan of it. Um I'm trying to think it's I think it might be the like this Ta- Tamati Galaxy, Tamaki Galaxy. It's like the same guy who did this other show a couple years ago that was that Tamagashi? was famous. I haven't watched the. Tamagotchi Galaxy. Tamagotchi (laughs) Mario Galaxy. (laughs) Um, And then, uh, games wise, uh, I don't have much to say about it. I'll have more to say, but uh, I just started replaying uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. So I want to go through that to to sort of uh, remind myself. for the the sequel? Yeah, yeah, because uh, I played the original i never played the the dlc the the frozen wilds or whatever um it's not very and good. i played the original like it was just like a really quick binge over a weekend to like mainline the story because i knew that on that monday oh, i was gonna yeah. have zelda so that's it kind of fell victim because it came out i think five days before zelda yeah um, yeah yeah and the switch so tatami to galaxy yeah <laughs> thanks uh tommy salty uh but uh yeah so um playing it now uh the i think the opening of that game i forgot. It's really bad. Yes. Um, like the opening
1: hour it's way too uh, long, way I, too long. I, I yeah after that because i was like okay i've played enough of this and i guess because of that taste in my mouth i haven't gone back since yeah like, i like, just opened the is, actual game and just having like played monster
2: Hunter, yeah. is very worth going back
0: yeah I think, I, yeah
1: maybe i should yeah
0: i remember enjoying I it should. once it like really opens up and they uh you know becomes like an open world game where you can really kick the tires on the the exploration and the combat and everything. I remember really digging it, but yeah, yeah that that opening, especially like the kids look fucking weird in that game. <laughs> like the kids look awful, and I think like Aloy looks fine once she's an adult. They have like that really is. big heads. They have really big and heads. Very
1: chubby. I mean, yeah. It's clear that you guys probably don't hang around kids. Kids have big heads. Their heads are almost the size of adults, but they're on as, tiny a child,
0: as a child. As a child, grew up with a big head. I don't want to see me represented. in media. <laughs> like,
1: That's not very honest. progressive, that's Marty. Like, that's, probably just, that's probably just the uncanny valley. Like these are like real looking kids in a game for once, and it's like this is strange. I don't like this. No, no. Bring just show.
0: Turn them all into Muppet babies. I like them better. Um. So. Yeah, I'm excited to to dig more into it and get back to the points where I actually liked because mm-hmm. um, yeah, so far, but I'm only like whatever an hour and a half, two hours into it.
2: I'm glad. Um, I'm glad for the sequel. It looks like they've put a lot of time into fixing the melee combat.
0: Yeah, the Excalibur combat was very it's just awful. like hit the same button and sort of just yeah. slap at a thing a couple yeah. times. Um, really bad, and- yeah. And then uh, I guess we could touch on la- uh, late last night at uh, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. Sony had a conference, and uh, their only big games thing was they officially announced that PSVR2 is called PSVR2. They uh, showed some of the the um, specs of it, and then the first game was revealed, which was cut. Uh, what was it called? Horizon. Uh. uh call of the mountain, call of the mountain literally something. yeah i think it was called the mountain actually yeah i literally just added it to the horizon article i have called yes, it call of the um yeah and so it's a psvr2 exclusive um and they only showed a very brief snippet of it but it looked really cool the thing i was talking about before we went live is it looked like uh, like the Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios. It was like, you know, first person, your character on this like canoe, and all of a sudden you're looking up and one of those giant um, sort of brontosaurus dinos is stepping over you. And I kind of love uh, one of my favorite things in VR is like getting that real sense of scale, which I think with the with oh, the robos is going to do that.
2: Yeah, Horizon's going to do that yeah. in spades. Uh, one of the yeah. senior world designers who hasn't worked on the VR project said it was like the most impressive AAA. VR project they've seen, which obviously they're biased, but it's also yeah, gorilla. That's awesome. Gorilla <laughs> yeah. really pushes the, the, you know, the, the balance of tech. So,
0: yeah, uh, no. And this, I, I yeah. hope they do this more. Like, I think one of the strengths of PSVR over, um, you know stuff like Oculus or Meta or whatever the hell it's called is they can dig into Sony's library. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea of like they should make a, a VR experience for all their big franchises. Like do an Uncharted something, do a Last of Us something, God of War, Tsushima. That, yeah. That first person Spider Man swinging. excited for that? Throw up. Yeah. First <laughs> person Gravity Rush. Just throw up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Like with how big of an IP horizon is that? This is the next Half Life Alex level. VR experience mm-hmm. uh I feel like Horizon has mechanics that'll translate well to it like you know you, you can have the first person climbing out of a like the climb from Crytek you can have uh-huh. uh the, you know the bowstring mechanics like this I think there's a lot they can do here like you already have the interesting world to explore from a VR perspective you have the good combat mechanics uh you know it's just a matter of you know I think the thing a lot of VR games miss is like having that very interactable world, like Alex does, where you can uh-huh. literally mess and fuck around with every object. So if they do that, I'm all I'm all aboard for that. I, I just and keep my expectations in check because I'm not I'm not sure.
0: Also, it could be it could probably push the boundaries on VR horror if you ever have to have a conversation with a child. Because could you imagine having to stand face to face with one of those big foreheaded
2: minions? <laughs> you you need to try more VR games because standing face to face with anybody in VR. Like, when I play uh, Pavlov VR and, like, you're doing the FPS game, like, you'll have dudes run up and just look you in the face. They're like, I'm not going to kill you. And then they pull out a knife and stab you in the throat.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't like that at all.
2: <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> like, there's a, modded, cool. there's a modded map on Pavlov where you can play Rust from Call of Duty. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking madhouse. <laughs> Actually, you can play in the, uh somebody made a map from The Office. Like, you can play in The Office and it's just oh, a like shootout The office is yeah, office, the office. office. yeah yeah
0: i'm kind of floored that there hasn't been i mean i guess like no one wants so. to think about like office shootings but like it seems like a game should like lean ahead. you know how like the the fr- the the there's games that lean into like oh we're bringing in guest characters some horror movies like yeah. guest maps of like i would like i want to shoot things in the home improvement house yeah <laughs> i want to go like see what if wilson's like hiding behind that that fence still
2: oh yeah there's yeah there's uh the Wilson,
0: ball yeah, yeah, behind that, like everything. famous
1: sitcom living rooms,
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what a VR game should just be: famous sitcom living rooms.
1: And I you just, get to it, see like what what the audience was looking at. You get to see that wall and whatever is supposed to be there for the <laughs> first time ever, millions. Yeah. And,
0: and everyone's like, "Why did they decorate their room like this? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, this is insane. These uh, stairs don't lead to anywhere." <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, J mate says Hitman VR one. Well, then not
2: Yeah, it's on PlayStation. It's yeah. coming to PC yeah. this year. I'm actually really excited for that. I will. I think I will enjoy Hitman much more in VR than I would yeah. in normal playthrough.
0: There you go. That's exciting. Uh, well, that's everything we've been watching and playing. Uh, before we jump into the the meat and potatoes of the Ken Levine Bloomberg story, we want to just talk about some of the some of the games and stuff we're excited for in 2022 like i said with the caveat that there's a really great chance looking at this list vast majority of these might not, might not be coming out in uh 2022 um so there's obviously uh stuff right on the horizon like no pun intended because uh, uh, i think we're all excited for horizon um and then obviously uh end of february is going to be elden ring which uh do we need to say more about elden ring i mean i think we could always say can...
2: more about elden Ring on, on yeah. this channel probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> we will be I mean people are mad like there was we were getting comments about like you guys are just Halo shills now it's like Halo is the one big game of December sorry Uh, yeah don't uh, worry we'll be we'll be Elden Ring shills very soon yeah Yeah. (laughs) but uh yeah I think I'm I'm very excited for that that game to come out technical preview was pretty much everything I wanted it to be Uh, as a newly minted fan of the Souls games but uh yeah I don't think (laughs) just I'm curious how big of a game that's
0: gonna be Oh, uh, like, like how big sales-wise sales was? Sales, like, geographically? sales,
2: sales, and geographically, because like, I went back <laughs> to watch the the preview where they showed up a different area that wasn't in the tech preview, and it, I mean that tech preview area was very small, but it was also huge because it has a lot of depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to see just how much time I could spend in that world. And sorry for those of you that watch the editor's hour, you'll
1: probably be watching Elden Ring for like three months.
0: <laughs> Elden Ring. Elden Ring.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's gonna set. force me to play it so that Nick doesn't spoil everything <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but the other, the other game in front of this man, the other like I have a bunch of games on my list. Like uh, I'm not gonna go through all of them because we don't have time for that. Yeah. But like God of War Ragnarok, obviously, I'm very interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad, I kind of know what to expect from both of those. Really excited for those. Plague Tale Requiem, I, I love the first Plague Tale. Uh, really like those characters. Very excited for that. Baldur's Gate 3 is on there. I don't think it's going to be done in 2022. I'm hoping it is, but I don't think so. I think it's a 2023 game, considering they haven't even hit Act 2 yet.
0: Uh, I think a lot of the games you just mentioned are going to be 2023 games, if we're being honest. I think God of War and Suicide Squad are both going to be 2023 as well.
2: Nah, I don't think God of War will be. It was supposed to come out last year, so I don't know why they were...
0: Well, a lot of things were supposed to happen last year. COVID was supposed <laughs> to be gone last year.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think you got to... Like, Sony had such a quiet year last year. I don't think there's any way they don't have multiple major hits this year. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they kind of do that. They kind of do a bunch of major hits in a year, take a little break, but, I mean, now they have, what, what they say in that presentation? 14 studios, 17 studios working on first-party stuff? Yeah, I think I mean, they... I have think they, tw-
0: they have, like, 22 first-party games in development, and, yeah. Yeah,
2: I think... Uh, you know, they're looking at Xbox, kind of like we talked about in previous podcasts, where Xbox has so many first-party studios now that they are going to have an exclusive every quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think Sony's kind of at that part, too, where they need to stay and compete, uh, even though... Yeah, that's
1: the only thing that they care about competing in, I guess, is the exclusives front. <laughs> yep. But uh, anyway, so
2: I think I think muscle is going to come... I, I'm more than sure Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad are this year. Uh, God of War, I'm sure is this year starfield i'm sure is this year uh Plague Tale:
0: requiem i'm sure is this year i'm gonna clip this out do it because i think four of the five games you just mentioned are not coming out this year okay
2: you clip it you do okay. it Okay. Well, uh, one of us is
0: gonna be right one of us is probably <laughs> gonna be wrong
2: ballersgate 3 is the one i don't think is gonna be out this year but uh the only other game i put on that list uh well two two more sea of stars which is from the developers of the messenger I think that game yeah. looks incredible, and, the, and yeah. the the interview I did with them got me super interested in the combat system they're doing.
0: Uh, yeah, that's the like, one that's very much inspired by like uh, the 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 iconic 16-bit RPGs, like, yeah. like Chrono Trigger and stuff like that. Yeah. But
2: they're but they're doing like a, a different level design where there's a lot of verticality in that mm-hmm. 2D world, and I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, the footage from that game has looked incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, I, I would play that game for the art alone, and then the last Starfield's on my list. I really don't know what to expect from Starfield, but the way they've been describing it is like kind of like the expanse and uh, you know grounded sci-fi and a lot of like adventuring yeah, Skyrim in yeah, space. Skyrim in space <laughs> adventuring sci-fi uh, that just has me really interested. I, it's been a while since I've, I've played a Bethesda game because like I really I just can't stick with Fallout seventy six. I did not like Fallout four, so like, the last big Bethesda game I played was Skyrim. Uh, which, funnily enough, I tried to load up the other day on my Series X, and I guess there's some glitch right now where I couldn't even play it. <laughs> like the menus would lock up, so I couldn't even start it. Oh God, that's so not I good. To, yeah, I wanted to load in some mods to do some of like the you know the Forgotten City, the Forgotten City, and all that stuff, but yeah, couldn't couldn't do it. So Bethesda's still as buggy as ever, <laughs> even on a game
0: that came out a decade ago. Wait, you were gonna play the mod version of Forgotten City and not the real version? Uh, yeah, because I wanted to jump back into Skyrim. But you weren't gonna play like the good version of Forgotten City. You were gonna play the bad version. They're both good versions. Is it? Isn't the one like janky? And they, the one's good. I, I don't know. That's the Forgotten City I, and Skyrim I don't know won like about.
2: mod of the year awards. <laughs> it's the reason they took and made a full game out of it because it was so good.
0: Well, shit. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't. I don't know anything about mods. <laughs> if I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I, didn't,
1: I, I didn't know the Forgotten City was a Skyrim mod. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's where it started. <laughs> a bunch
0: of other, a bunch of other famous games were mods as well. Uh, Mario sixty four that was a Crash Bandicoot mod. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. Early mod. Nick doesn't Nick didn't like that joke at all. Nick's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nah. No. Uh Casey, you have uh, a couple of Nick's games on the list, as well as uh right, Hollow Knight yeah, yeah. Song. That's a
2: 2020.
0: Uh, yes, Hollow
1: Knight Song. Yeah, no idea when that's actually supposed to be coming out, but I'm gonna hope we get to see it in twenty twenty two. Cause that's probably my most anticipated game, like period, more so than Elden Ring, even. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot wait to to play the next Team Cherry joint. Yeah, uh, but We're that's pretty much the all.
0: Annivers- the fifth anniversary of the game too.
1: Uh, really, the original release on yeah, of been five years yeah. since Hollow Knight but, came out.
0: Yeah, but also like they, it's not like they've been working on Silk Song for five years because there was a lot of Hollow Knight updates.
1: Uh, yeah, they, they did put a lot and, of DLCs that turned into like yeah. much bigger expansions that all got bolted onto the first game. Yeah, and it and didn't so come to Switch
0: weird. until the following year, which is when I think right. a lot of people picked it up for the first time and console later yeah, on. So, same. Yeah,
1: same. Mm-hmm. and so Sil- Silk Song was supposed to be the final dlc out of that batch of hollow knight which they've just extended out into a full game at this point so. yeah
0: yeah nick you don't think that's coming out? i i if
2: it does it'll be a surprise drop i'm not sure like i just i don't know what's taking like me. they've
1: been dead silent on it yeah, yeah. like they, you, there's no information as to what it is like what stage it's at like if they're close or not though so yeah, it I could very well just gonna be gonna like, be... hey we're, at, we're out this this fall
2: I, yeah, and I think they're trying to find the most opportune time to release it because the schedules have just been moving around so much. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, we had all these stuff in February and January. It's all moved. Uh, now we're kind of like pushing things into May, August. So I don't know. I could see. I could see this being like a September, October kind of game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, uh, Maybe
2: a summer release too. And the, I'm the torn
0: between. I think a summer release would be smart. Yeah. I think have its like big showing. Um, like i imagine they could easily get on one of the conferences at e3 or you know get a game informer cover or something they could really blow it out of the water um and then have the game come
1: out a month or two later so yeah i I, as well received as it's been i do think it still suffers from being a little obscure for like a like a mass of players like just the other day someone was talking to me about how much they loved metroid dread and i asked if they'd heard of or played hollow knight it was like oh what's that it's like so they could definitely use for some sort of pr lead-in like Mm -hmm. a surprise drop probably be bad. So like they, they do need to start showing this game to people so that folks can get excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the sales numbers on hollow Knight were, but like it
0: wasn't the, like, I don't think it was as massive of a success commercially as like, um, undertale or stardew Valley or anything. Like I still think it's almost relatively niche, but like beloved by literally everyone who's played it except for Nick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Everyone minus one. Uh, right. And I, I didn't put this on the list because I only just thought about it. But during the showcase, uh, old friend and Nick showed us uh, that game, Elsie. Oh yeah, which is basically like oh, yeah. Mega Man, Mega Man X as a roguelike or whatnot. Yeah, I was really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Again, no idea if that's coming out in 2022, but it would make sense. It still says coming soon on the Steam page, so yeah. fingers crossed we get to see that this year. As of, uh, that looks really fun.
2: As of 2019, Hollow Knight sold 2.8 million copies. I'm betting that's probably about four million by now. Well, that's a lot. that is quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, they just me.
0: announced Ghost of Tsushima, uh past the 10 million or 8 million mark. Yeah. Um. So granted, Tsushima has only been out for half that time, but uh, yeah, that's really impressive. Good for Team Cherry. Uh, yeah, now a lot of the games we're talking about are AAA, not because we're not interested in uh, indie, but because it feels like a lot of indie games, you know, except for the ones we're mentioning. And like, I have Tunic on my list, which I'm super stoked for. A lot of them get revealed or shown off and then come out shortly after that. Like Death's Store, I didn't know existed until like two months before it came out and yeah, you know a similar thing with spirit fair you know stuff like that so some of my favorite indies end up being things that just kind of appear from the ether
2: yeah like indies don't don't need a year too long you know two years long re- release cycle they they try to release get their big marketing push and go
0: uh, yeah especially no, with exactly the game, especially
2: with game pass now so yeah i like i noticed that too on my list I was like okay, i include the of stars like i have to include one indie down here otherwise like triple a shill but uh yeah yeah there's you know even even trying to like plan out a re, uh, review schedule for 3MR is like
0: i have no idea what's coming out this year in indie Indies. yeah i'm sure some cool indies are going to come out in like february and march that we just don't know about right now yep. so yep yeah um yeah and then the big ones i'm really excited for nintendo this year i think uh, this is probably going to be i imagine like the last year of the switch as we know it um and i think they're really going to go out with a bang um you know i'm excited for everything from pokemon to to mario rabbits to splatoon to the kirby game that they showed off uh, uh wars but the thing i'm most excited about obviously is breath of the wild 2 mm-hmm. which also i think has a very good chance of not coming out this year i think i could see that being a a launch game for whenever switch 2 comes out but um i don't know what more needs to be said about that like i think breath of the wild is the best game in the last generation and I'm glad that they've been taking, you know, we're about to hit the five-year mark
1: um, since its release, so I'm glad they're taking their time on the sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, other I, games? I, oh. I doubt that Breath of the Wild 2 would be a launch title for whatever their next console is. Like, mm-hmm. if anything, they'd probably split the difference like they did last time, right? hundred percent. There's too many Switches out in the world. Yeah. yeah oh, no, I definitely gonna don't be... think it's going to
0: be exclusive to it. No.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely
0: not. But, yeah, in the same way that, like, like the like you know, Breath of the Wild was on Wii U and I don't know anyone who played that, but um, I did shout out to you. Did it run well?
1: Yeah, it ran exactly the same.
0: Wait a minute. So your whole thing (laughs) is that Genshin
1: Impact looks better than Breath of the Wild, which you played on a Wii fucking U. (laughs) They look exactly the same. This is what I'm talking about. Zelda Breath of the Wild does not look that good. Like it looks good for what it is. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't look that good. It, It can run on a Wii U perfectly fine. It didn't struggle on that console. Think about that. Think It's about like it. you're watching Christopher Nolan movies on your iPhone, aren't you?
0: Yeah, I've always had red displays, I heard. I watched Tenet on my phone vertical. It was fine.
1: I Watched it in, in portrait mode.
0: <laughs> portrait mode. Uh, and then uh, in terms of big RPGs, I'm really stoked for Final Fantasy sixteen and Forspoken, the Square's two big games, which I think Forspoken will come out this year. I mean, it already has, I believe, a May release date set yeah uh, I'm, I'm really curious
1: about forspoken yeah yeah like I, I want it to be good but i there's something about it like kind of screams like that there's maybe like there's nothing under the the shiny surface the, the one like, thing oh, the man, one that thing that the cool trailers
2: have me con- yeah the one thing the trailers have me a little concerned about is like the the world looks a little empty
1: yeah yeah is I that mean, another unreal just... engine 5 joint is that a what is unreal that an unreal, unreal engine 5, 5 joint no, it's... Uh, no, I think it's on their no. luminous, their yeah, proprietary it engine.
0: Yeah, Square's proprietary okay. engine. Um, and uh, Final Fantasy, I'm just a big Final Fantasy fan, so I'm excited to see what 16 does, <clears throat> especially coming on the heels of 15, which by the end I think became a really interesting game. Um, at launch, not so much, but all the fixes they had, I think, made it pretty good and worth playing. <laughs> um, I'm also excited for Hogwarts Legacy, which uh, removing the J.K. Rowling at all, which I totally fucking understand. Like, I'm, it's it's to me, I'm viewing it as death of the author and just, just kind of she can't yeah, ruin you don't have to a world that means a lot
2: to me. You don't have to justify why you're interested in the Hogwarts game. Like you can still watch the no, no, movies. No. And...
0: I, yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't feel like I need to justify it, but yeah. I want to justify it. Um, and yeah, especially after doing a, I did a full, like Casey, did a full Harry Potter movie rewatch. Um, and I watched that two hour special, which I thought was delightful. A little, a little return yeah, to Hogwarts. Thing. Yeah, Yeah, we didn't talk Except, about that at all. But yeah, I totally watched that um but yeah i think that that world is is ripe for like a really interesting open world rpg and so i hope they do some some cool things with that really, um, I, I really
1: like I, in your head how does a hogwarts legacy like video game like a hot like a hogwarts like big rpg play out because i i can't wrap my head around how that
0: stays interesting <laughs> i think i think they take some elements from fire emblem and uh, yeah, was what I was uh persona so I think there's like parts like time. I really hope there's time
1: management okay. in it
0: and and building relationships with other students, not like dating and shit. With, I don't know. Maybe that'd be
1: great. Please. I mean, put dating and everything. There's some teenagers in this school. Oh, yeah. Makes
0: what are you sense. talking
1: about? By the time
0: like the fourth or fifth Harry Potter movies came out, they were definitely doing a bunch of fucking snogging under the Quidditch bleachers. Yeah, it, was <laughs> it, was all, it was all about son. hormones
1: by that point. Yeah, yeah. Ron definitely
0: lost his virginity in the sixth book.
2: If I, if I recall right, the original like Harry Potter games had the school elements in it and those really stood out to me those were really fun mm-hmm. so I'm yeah, really, some of the open I'm really world ones where like you could like run around yeah yeah I hope there's a, like a lot of that in Hogwarts Legacy where I, th- I think that'll separate it from like all the other open world stuff is where you can be in a school and like you have to go to school learn your potions you know practice your whatever magic shit uh, and then, like they already showed in the trailer, there's an expansive open world to explore with different monsters and stuff to fight. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be lots of puzzles to solve. So yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping they do something really different with it. And it's not just doesn't end up just being a box standard action RPG kind of thing. Yeah, and absolutely. from the trailers, from the trailers so far, like they already highlighted this, the going to the classes part. So mm-hmm. that that
1: has me really interested. Do you yes. remember any of the magic users when they were fighting doing dive rolls in the movies? Who cares what the fucking movies did? It's a game.
0: <laughs> One of the games, uh, like I think it might have been the, the Deathly Hollows game. Uh, it like the combat system turned into Gears of War. It was like th- <laughs> it was like third person locked over your shoulder, and you were doing like side dodges and like hitting cover and shit. And I was like, this is weird.
1: <laughs> they this- did they did do a lot of cover, so that that actually fits it would also be
0: funny if they use the same character model. So it's just like a bunch of beefy meatballs, yeah. <laughs> like throwing out spells. Like- like
1: Hermione's just jacked shit.
0: Neville <laughs> yeah. just like fucking breaks someone like a two by four over his knee. Yeah. The,
2: the games, the games that we already had for Harry Potter already did magic better than the movies ever did. Like there were more interesting things to do the entire time.
0: So. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
2: All right. I'm not, con- I mean, I'm not works, concerned about that.
0: Yeah. And then uh, my most anticipated, which is two games is, uh, whatever the next persona game is and then uh project re which is what the core persona team has moved on to so um i just hope they're great and it sounds like we're gonna get something this is the uh the 25th anniversary of persona so hopefully we get something yeah oh, cool. that's it the end good night everybody nope <laughs> now it's time <laughs> the real discussion for for Nick for Nick's serious corner uh no (laughs) so we're gonna talk about the uh Bloomberg uh Ken Levine story so uh, like I mentioned Ken Levine uh uh, was the creative lead on uh Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite not Bioshock 2 um Mm -hmm. so he's uh, uh been Uh, Known for a very long time as a uh, a visionary, and with the term visionary, uh, the term auteur gets thrown around a lot, and with the term auteur, uh, a lot of times uh, being a bit difficult to work with gets thrown out. And so uh, this Bloomberg story by Jason Schreier came out talking about how the uh, eight-year development of whatever his next project is, which is the first game from his new studio that he founded with... A lot of uh, a lot of the leaders of Irrational called Ghost Story Games uh, has just found uh, has been in development hell because of uh, what what Schreier reports as uh, his singular b- brilliant, stubborn perfectionism, and delicate ego. Um, and so they interviewed a bunch of former uh, employees of both Irrational and Ghost Story Games about how um, mm-hmm. uh, Levine uh, had a tendency to uh, sort of come in and and wipe away months if not years of work because his ideas either drifted one way or another and uh it started sort of a big uh a big conversation on the internet about the idea of auteur theory and what that means in games and whether it's the problem is levine being an auteur or just levine not having a a a, Good producer behind him, like a manager behind him. Uh, it was interesting seeing uh, Cliff Blazinski, obviously the one of the co-creators of Gears of War and everything. Uh, he uh, responded saying, "I love Ken, but style is, the, but his style isn't news. He's always been like this. That's why he needed Rod Ferguson to shift uh, to ship uh, Bioshock Infinite. Creatives need to be managed by sound-minded people like that, as Rod managed me. But Rod Ferguson, who uh, literally worked on the Gears of War games, and Cliff Blazinski says the only reason these games shift was because Rod was there to be like." when I went insane and said, here's my 100 ideas, he was like, all right, we're doing five of them so that we can yeah. finish this game. Uh, a very similar story with Bioshock Infinite, which...
1: Uh-oh, and Marty's internet dying? Oh, man, yeah. I think we might have um, lost Marty's uh, internet.
2: Oh, Marty's internet died. <laughs> I, li- I do like that freeze frame of him, though. I'm just going to leave that there, because it's kind of funny. Like, he looks very excited, but we don't know about what.
1: Like, draw little things on his face. No, but, uh, but it makes... <laughs> to, the, to the point that he was making like, I, I think that is the crux, right? Like the back and forth that's going here is like, yeah. are are people upset at video game art tours or are they upset at bad managers? And are those two things like mutually exclusive or not? Yeah. Cause part well, of they're... the problem was like Ken Levine's studio, he shut down Irrational to form this smaller ghost stories studio. And then kind of, I guess, took on the role of all these leads himself and is now managing this small team and maybe doesn't understand how it's supposed to function anymore.
2: Well, Marty Marty knows more about whatever Ghost Story was working on because he's seen it before when they were showing it off to the press at some point. This face is so funny. It's really distracting. Uh, <laughs> but as far as Ghost Story goes, as far as I know, and from talking to former Rational devs about Ken Levine and Levine and all that, like, Ghost Story is essentially an R&D studio for Take-Two. They're funded by Take-Two. It's a small team. And their job is to not make a game like, like that and have like this normal production pipeline. It's their entire job is to create a game that pushes narrative and gaming forward and create the next big idea for that set. Like they are basically trying to fund that next big idea and they're not, it's a studio, like it's a studio unlike any other that people would normally think of because their entire process is going to be wiping away years of work. If, I gotta hide my other camera. Hold on. Uh, the the process is going to be wiping y- way away years of work if it becomes outdated while they're working on it. Um, so they're not. The studio mm-hmm. isn't about shipping a game right away, like it, you know people want it to be. Uh, and so I think I think that context was missed in Schreier's article. And then then you know like the I know I know Marty's gonna have uh, some things to say about what I say, but. Um, I think it's kind of goofy. Yeah, he's in the chat right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah, he is. Um, I think like the way that article is Mr. Mis- I think that Mr. Mis- article is Mr. on Twitter just because like Schreier has to promote his articles. I get it. Uh, but he also takes out like the clickiest part to get people to click on it without the context behind it. And so the conversation went from Ken Levine isn't a bad manager to that. He's an abusive manager and that I don't know mm-hmm. about. and And because I've spoken with, people very close to Ken Levine who would very much say otherwise and did not like that article. And they also didn't like the article on Steve Gaynor from last year that painted him out to be a very abusive manager. I think there's uh, and I talked to Marty about it on the sh- offhand on the show. I was like, I think people are equating abuse to too much these days, like being a shitty manager and maybe being a tough manager and maybe not being like, <sighs> maybe as a uh, sensitive as you could be it, to me is an abuse. It's just being a, it can be a tough manager. It can, it can stray into abuse, right? If you're like,
1: yeah, I, I feel like yeah, isolating. You're, you're really dancing around a very thin line here when you say well, like, okay, there, there
2: is a, there is it's a, a thin it's line. a manager
1: who's not great at their job, yeah. but isn't abusive. It's like, well, maybe, maybe he's not yelling at you, but like the stress of not having that support at that level, well, can feel like you know yeah. the same thing as abuse it can be indistinguishable well the, what the,
2: what the article describes is that like if he wasn't receptive to feedback uh, to me that's mm-hmm. not that's not abusive uh it may be abusing his abusing his power as a manager a little bit but not abusive towards people in itself the part where they talk about how like if he disagrees with somebody or doesn't like what they're doing he isolates them that's abusive
1: <laughs> uh, so I mean so how so how many checks in the abuse category does he need before someone can feel like
2: No, that's that's not that's not what it is at all. What I'm saying is you can be abusive of your power and you can uh-huh. also be what? abusive towards people. And I think they're two different things in a manager managerial role. Like you can be if you are in the creative director position and you are just saying, all right, I have a blank check to do whatever I want, nobody else is gonna be able to mm-hmm. step on my toes and tell me otherwise. I think that's abusing your power as a creative director in the sense of, you know, you you aren't listening to the team that you built to create this game and you're just going to go do it your own way. That's abusing the power yeah, so like, of a manager. But if somebody's critiquing you and your first thing to do is either fire them or put them on the side and never listen to them again, that's abusing them as a per-
1: person, I think, or as an employee. But, like, but on, on the first point, if you're, say, like, how you say, are abusing your power like you do have staff who work under you and have a job to do. Like, how is that that different? Like you're doing whatever you want to do as the manager. And then like these other people are kind of just right. left in your wake. Like, I but, I don't really see how that's that much. Like, cause they're still not okay. The fact that your manager is kind of doing whatever he wants and not, you know, being receptive to their input and their idea. Like that's what they came to do that I job. Like that's their job, right? Is to add I think- to the the project if yes, they're feeling but, undervalued or ignored because the way because but the he way, doesn't care that does like neglect is a form of abuse.
2: Yeah, it is. I don't but I don't think that makes Ken Levine himself an abusive person like people are trying to paint him out to be.
1: Again, okay, I, think, I, mean, I mean, think we don't have to call Ken Levine abusive. Yes. But it do, it does seem like he is kind of not great in the manager. No, role, he's not. And right? I think
2: that's what yeah. it, the funny thing to me is everybody going on Twitter and and, you know, in general be like, oh, you know, get rid of our tours and, and everything. I'm like that. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of developers like Tim Storrett, who is on The Last Night. Uh, there's uh, Raphael, Raphael Vinler on uh, The Long Dark, who are both like pretty well-known creative directors, uh, you know, Corley, Corey Barlog you have a bunch of our tours people that you consider our tours like even kojima people consider our tour uh
1: oh yeah definitely kojima
2: yeah but like these all those games have the stamp of those people that are working on it because the idea came from them ken levine is the creator of bioshock in the sense of the idea he didn't create the game by himself but he is the one that had the idea to make that game and then his team came and made it and also like Right. In the sense of like Ken Levine is like this auteur that people want to get rid of all of a sudden he didn't even put his name like it's not a Ken Levine game when you start up Bioshock it's from a rational he never took full credit from it and I think people are missing is like our tours are lifted up by the media on these things like when we're writing about a Bioshock game we say a Ken Levine like Ken Levine's Bioshock because like he is the person out front and center doing a lot of the talking for Bioshock But also, I know, like, Bill Gardner personally, and I know Bill Gardner was the lead level designer on the game, or the lead designer on the game. I know how big of an impact he had. And so, like, people, I I think, like, even if you were listening to something else yesterday, like Jack was saying, like, oh, you know, giving all the credit to one single person. I don't think that ever happens outside of, like, the media saying, this is a Kojima game. And it's really just for SEO purposes because people are searching Kojima Death Stranding. So you associate the two together. But you also know Mm -hmm. Kojima didn't single-handedly make this game. Undertale, Toby Fox, made most of that game himself. But even then, it wasn't just Toby Fox. Toby Fox didn't just make that game. Like He had help with other things on it. Even a QA tester that tested the game for him technically helped him make that game. Uh, I don't think... There's only... You know a few games that are ever made by one single person like i don't even know i don't know for sure i'm sure somebody in check correct me but like stardew value stardew valley concerned ape he may have built that entire game from himself but also like i'm more than sure he had people test it for him and everything's which are technically part of the team
1: uh but it's it's it is a marketing thing right it's it's trying to get a face behind yeah it's a marketing the thing. the the franchise so that it's like james cameron's avatar or like uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman, right? Like you want to tie the name of this person so that even after the franchise dies, cause they all eventually will die. You can basically still have fanfare because there's a name attached to it that people trust and know, well, right? Yes. So like that's fair, but that person does require a team in most cases, most cases, and Ken Levine, especially had a very big team team with irrational. It was his choice. Like irrational was his studio to do, I guess what he wanted with. I don't know how that came about. But it was his choice to pare it down from what it was to the smaller indie style studio because of, you know, his need to kind of fulfill this creative idea.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know the whole story behind that. I'd I'd have to go back and talk to Bill Gardner some more about that, because I don't know if it was just a Ken Levine decided to quit the studio. So they shut the studio down because Ken Levine wasn't leading it. I don't know if that's what actually happened. Uh, But also, like take because 2K... I believe or take two, one of the, one of the two I can never remember owned a rational, uh, and I don't yeah, know. Like spent, yeah. And they spent a fuck ton of money on Bioshock infinite. So I don't know if like they were uncomfortable with having a studio not led by Ken Levine to do that or whatever. Or I like maybe the risk between the reception to Bioshock two and infinite. Maybe it just wasn't high enough in sales because like if take two funding it, like they want the next big GTA level thing. I don't know. Uh, So it's it's an interesting there's a lot of stuff going on there and my problem with the Jason Schreier story and like Jason Schreier in general is like when he does these stories I know for a fact just from talking to people myself (laughs) that there's a lot more going on with like Ken Levine and stuff like that and I I, and I have heard like Ken Levine is a tough creative director to work with like he is set in his ways Uh, he's not very he's actually I think what I was told is like he's not very hands on with like the actual development process. Like he's yeah I guess more, I get the
1: sense that he's more of an ideas man right he's very much more an ideas he, guy, he, but was, he also he was previously a screenwriter like that that was kind of his his yeah. bag and then kind of pivoted into games from there yeah
2: but he's but he's also I, like you apparently people learn a lot from him and like he is very good at what he does uh but again without talking to the man himself I don't know but uh it, just in general like I, he was painted out to be a villain in that article I thought that was wrong uh and Mm -hmm. maybe maybe it's not maybe his like maybe he's a really abusive manager i don't know but there wasn't any like every story that jason does is like just ex-employees and disgruntled employees and there's never any like nuance to people that are still working at ghost story games i never feel like i get the full picture i believe everything happened that he reports but i don't know i never feel like i get the full story out of what his stories tell me and then when I go and talk to people that I know from those studios on the side, and I get another take on it, I'm like, well, okay, there's more to this than there appears. And Twitter, Twitter just loves to take these stories and make it the absolute worst. Of yeah, it. Twitter,
1: yeah, Twitter doesn't Every really time. get a say in in the discourse because they're just <laughs> they're yeah. just a, a huge echo chamber of of people who haven't looked deep enough. Yeah, I, but I mean, th- there there are facts that you can take from the Jason Schreier piece that you can. Like maybe he is coloring it a certain way, but some of the information is still true. Like
2: well, a lot of the
1: people who, yeah. yeah, a lot of the people who started that studio, who Ken chose to start a studio with him did leave. Yeah.
2: Well, and I again, did, like I, I said, though, something I, well, I did say at the start though, that from what I know that ghost story is an R and D studio mostly in that they are trying to become, they are trying to build the next big innovative idea in narrative games that is event that is always going to lead to people not sticking around well, and seeing I mean, the did, project completion. They didn't set out to like make did, a specific game. They set out to create a brand new IP with new innovative ideas. Well, did,
1: did the people who worked for Ghost Stories know that? Because yes, they knew if that. The folks are. That's why the studio is fun. They're leaving and saying that they're upset that they didn't have anything to show for their years of work.
2: Yes. Well, I mean, I I don't see that being unreasonable. I think that's going to happen. Um, Ken Ken Levine might not know. I think Ken Levine doesn't even know really what he wants to make yet. Uh, you know, they are saying they might have a game in one to two years. So I don't know. Some people some people are okay working on one project for ten years and incubating and and throwing ideas mm-hmm. out. Um, one of the things that like Tim Sort said from the last night on Twitter that definitely people need to understand is like all that all that work that they have nothing to show for. They do have stuff to show for because they've been building and innovating ide- on ideas for eight years and they're learning each time they do it. Uh, so eventually they're going to make, eventually you would hope that they're going to make something. Maybe they won't, maybe they will. Uh, but I mean, like that's, that's kind of the point of an R and D studio is to sit there and try all these different ideas, see what works, see what doesn't throw it out. But you learn from it each time, I think.
1: Uh, I mean, I guess, but I mean, yeah, if you're getting all that churn, people leaving, people not being happy with the experience, like whether it was meant to be a, yeah. a conventional game studio or an R and D studio, there's a lot of people who work there who kind of, who left unhappy. Like they felt compelled to tell Jason this, this side of the story. Like maybe there is another side, but that doesn't, that doesn't take away from the side that we're getting right now. Never said it. There's a bunch of employees. I'm not saying saying that these are your words, but yeah, it's just, I think there are a lot of people who were disgruntled about how that situation has played out over the Mm -hmm. last near decade. Yeah. So, I mean, Yeah, there's no there's no fix for it. Like, we're not suggesting like, you know, they're doing something that's objectively wrong or right here, but it is a very nuanced situation. It's it's good to talk about these things and try and put yourself in the shoes of both sides Mm -hmm. in a way.
2: Yeah, but well, um, I, yeah, I think I'd be my, interested in
1: a response from Ken Levine.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's gonna need to. I, I, he's gonna have to respond at some point, or at least take two, take two of But yeah, I didn't. I did not like how that story was received by people as like Ken Levine is all of a sudden this awful villain character. You know that abuses people in his studios and everything. Like I think he's a, a he's a flawed creative director. But and then the conversation transfers into like. We don't need auteurs anymore i was like okay that's stupid why would you say this <laughs> like you, you did the the conversation that people really want to have is that we not we need auteurs that are better managers but that might not ever happen like creative people do not like to have
1: be restrained they yeah, never or like will. cliffy cliffy b went on record saying like pair those auteurs with, with good managers yes
2: and that's exactly that's what ha- needs to happen there are archers that are good managers uh, you just don't yeah, hear sure. about them very often because it's not drama, right? You only hear about it if there's drama involved. For sure. Uh, so, I, yeah, like I think people just want better managers, but like uh, people, it really it really annoys me though when we these things come up because like I've done what are we, what have I done now? 15, maybe 12 to 15 documentaries and I've heard all these different stories and like people talk about crunch as like, it's this black and white issue. It's not like you can go watch the dark Siders documentary and talk about their experience crunch. And that it would like, they would literally say it was like the best thing that happened to them, but also they would never want to do it again. Like that's how dark siders came to be dark siders is that they crunched for a time. And then, then they finally figured out the game in that crunch time. Uh, and they also developed the bonds as a studio and everything. Not saying it was right or wrong. That's their experience. Not my place to say, uh, but that that stuff happens. The conversation with Archer I find really stupid. Like, yes, there are mm-hmm. bad Archer managers. There are abusive Archer managers. Like that's all, that's going to happen. That's always going to happen. There is no pure way or right way to make a video game. Game development is challenging, and if you're going to move the needle on in any innovative space, it's going to be a fucking challenge to get that done. Because the, in that time that you are making that, as the article states, like people did do Levine's ideas. Yeah, and then he had to go back with, and rethink. Uh, yeah. yeah, he had to go back and rethink, like, how can I take what they did and build on that in another innovative way? Uh, and and maybe, like, maybe Ghost Story Games never finishes a game because of that, and that sucks. But, I mean, that's sometimes the way That's the way it is in game development. For every game that you hear comes out, like, there's probably 500 more that never make it to the light of day.
1: Yeah, yeah there's uh, probably some truth to that.
2: Yeah, so I don't... I I I don't know I don't know what people's solution is, but like I, I think people like really need to spend more time learning about how actual development works and actually speaking to developers because my god, the takes from people on Twitter in games media do not they don't talk to developers. They don't. They just follow the same stupid take from the same people all the time and echo this shit. It's like if you actually learn well, about that's, yeah, that's that's my, that's that's my a re-
1: twitter take that's that, that, that yeah, is a like, twitter so take
2: but i like in <laughs> general down people, that road well people need to speak no, to developers right. though like they don't they just they they read offhanded secondhand what these people are going through and like f- fall into the twitter drama and actually don't learn about the development
1: yeah and exactly like you said people do need to learn more about the development process yeah but the development process like you also said is different for different studios so different like the way one studio, studio is doing yeah. things yeah may not function for another studio so like you yeah. really can't apply a one shoe fits all kind of situation to everybody so mm-hmm. yeah you kind of got to take these things as they come
2: yeah so like i yeah i feel i feel bad for for ghost story a little bit because like i i, I know they're trying to innovate and people aren't going to like that but i that story to me just didn't read fair and a lot of developers i know didn't think it did either <laughs> and from my time doing documentaries i just know a lot of developers do not like Schreier because like i have heard personally that he will not if somebody if somebody reaches out to him to counter his narrative from even within those studios he's covering he doesn't hear them out <laughs> so that's not good
1: but uh you know that's and and that's that's a value judgment on jason shrier which we also don't need to go
2: <laughs> no we don't but i think i think <laughs> like it's hard to I, I can say all that stuff and like, we could go do that reporting, right? I could go do that reporting, counteract it. But, mm-hmm. uh, I try to do that through the documentaries by just letting the developers speak to the truth. But in mm-hmm. general, like if you do counter the
1: narrative on those things, those often get buried. <laughs> yeah. Cause, I mean, cause yeah, there's sensationalism afoot mm-hmm. here, right? Like people and, uh, Someone said something in the uh, comments, Shots Fired says, if it's his company, he can run it with an iron fist. And if the employees don't like it, they can always find another job. Like, while that is true, that, he's not be. He's make that, that okay. Yeah, and
2: people aren't going to want to keep working with him if he's bad. Right, enough, yeah, like, so. if, if you
1: have all these people leaving because of he's running the company with an iron fist, then yeah. that's that's a stigma that you're going to have to shake think, at some point. I think so, like, the one it's thing... not okay.
2: Yeah. And I think the one thing that like really stood out to the story, which I fully agree with is that Levine is trying to run a AAA studio of 30 people, which is, you know, that's, right. th- that's never going to work out. So like I, maybe I think Levine has the capacity and probably should not work for take two and go indie and just make what he wants to make if he really wants to make it that way. But on the other hand, it definitely a bold faced lie if any developer were to tell you that if they got a blank check from Take Two and an a limited amount of time to develop the next big innovative idea in gaming for narratives, that they wouldn't do it. <laughs> There's no, no developer uh, well, that sure, would yeah. do
1: that. I think part of the problem with that is probably the pressure of having to oh, deliver absolutely. on something that
2: yeah, like Yeah, that's the thing. Like, take two for, 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 Take Two is giving him an unlimited amount of time and money because they want him to make them the next billion dollar idea
1: so right and so if he comes out out and he's like hey here's my idea and like it's it's like something that is half what somebody else already did and is doing better like yeah he's gonna embarrass himself
2: (laughs) yeah that's yeah and so it's like pressure to be under the story yeah uh, bloomberg's story didn't even go into that like the amount i bet that dude is under an extreme amount of pressure to build like I mean can you can you imagine that like working on something you guys just worked on something for three years it's like oh man this is a great new innovative idea and then all of a sudden the indie game is announced it's doing the same thing comes out big success it's like fuck now what do we do gotta go back and innovate again and, and rewrite it but isn't
1: but that exact process is worrisome because, like, it if your if your job is to just figure out the next big thing, and it takes you three years just to figure out what it is, but someone's already done it, it's like, okay, so what were they doing differently than us yeah, that they could it, come up with this idea, deliver on it, and we're still kind of spinning our wheels? Like that does seem like it, at a core, like kind of a problem it, in the process.
2: It is, and and that's like take two is funding that problem, so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, yeah, so, I mean,
2: it's not really like, it's, a, it's not a win-win situation it, there it's a it's a constant lose like, lose if you're not fast yeah, enough. on just
1: the, on just the surface level it seems like there's there's something that needs to change and maybe will because of this information coming to light it like yeah, take, two probably take notice like because i because it, it looks bad that they've been spending all this money and and mm-hmm. the public now is maybe not as excited for whatever this was going to be especially since it's taken so long
2: well i take two uh d- ghost story is a write-off for take two for one and i don't think they care how much money they throw into it uh because they have i mean som- they, they, somebody...
1: they always care how much money <laughs> not
2: really like they just canceled hangar 13's next project which they had poured 50 million into already
1: uh well they just have a lot of money to throw yeah but they well, don't care <laughs> they...
2: <laughs> i really don't think they don't they don't with the uh, ghost story because the amount of money that it probably costs to run Go- ghost story they probably make every single day just from gta online like, they have money to just throw around and do whatever yeah, they want yeah, with because until they is, get because that next.
1: Uh, a relatively smaller studio, yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, 30, 30 people and, you know, development budget of how much? Like, it's it's drop in the water for them. Not Nothing. It's nothing. Between you know, when they have GTA Online, just their cash cow. Like, they could fund whatever they want and be fine.
1: <laughs> but but again, like, it doesn't seem like it works. Like, because, yeah, they're saving money by throwing it at a 30-person studio to come up with this next big idea. But if the people in that studio can't do it because the idea is too big for them, like this, this won't work.
2: Yep. Well, if they'll figure it out eventually. I, I don't think, I think his time is running out. And that's why like in the article, mm-hmm. yeah. they said I that agree. they will have a game in like one or two years. Uh, finally. But is it going to be this bit, next big needle pushing innovative project? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, and anyways, like, take two already has the next Bioshock coming from cloud imperium i don't know the whole irrational situation in general is like just a a muddied mess because you Mm. killed irrational you started ghost story games you fired everybody to create the next big innovative thing when you already had an extremely talented team that probably could have made it for you stupid (laughs) first of all and then what five years later you're like oh hey Ghost Stories working on this. Hey, here's new studio, Cloud Imperium, working on the next Bioshock when you could have had a rational who knew how to make a good Bioshock game. It's the same thing we've we've talked about that in like previous podcasts where like these new studios are announced, like Telltale. Telltale mm-hmm. is Telltale, but how many people from the old Telltale that the made is the what they or, are, yeah. are at that studio making that game. And so it's all on name only. So I don't I don't know. It's that's that's just a huge fucking mess. Uh, I kinda wanna you know, like as much as I dog on Jason Schreier, I still think he's like overall a a good journalist and reporter and everything. Like I do want to read his books at some point, but uh, I just, I have, I have my issues with how he reports on these stories because Mm -hmm. not because of him personally or anything like that. I just don't feel like I get the full picture. It always. And, and part of that too is because of how he interacts with people on Twitter. Like I just, I can't separate that bias in my head because I know his agenda. You know, I know he has an agenda.
1: Right. Yeah. like, so some of his reporting does seem to feed into how Twitter will respond to yep. his reporting. So,
2: and the, and fair, the fair. Marty, Marty and I debated a little bit, but like him selling his books with those stories just makes the bias even worse in my agenda. Cause he's trying to sell a book with these dramatic and, you know, tailed stories of game development. So I don't know.
1: I mean, it's, that's, that's stuff that does sell. Like we, oh, we want to know about the beef between Nintendo and Sega, right? Yep. Did you see this, this dumb, uh, a fake email that was going around about how like uh nintendo said that sega made them cry because of their sonic the hedgehog ads no i did not <laughs> and see that, that. Sega basically said that they all smell like farts or something i do <laughs> like, was, i do like i do like the a, entire
2: corporate entities crying though over that that'd be
1: funny <laughs> right but i mean that's funny like i read it knowing it was stupid and fake yeah like it's funny. Uh, but anyway like you know,
2: sucks that Marty couldn't be in this conversation because I'm, I'm sure he had a lot to say he about does. it but but he did say like him he, he, he prompted the entire discussion saying that he very much disagreed with my takes on Twitter about it but then he read my notes on the thing and he said he agreed with most of that so uh, I think like the most contentious part about that will be like what is the definition of like work abuse which I absolutely know what work abuse is I just think I think him and I did agree like before we got on the podcast that like I think the term abuse is a bit overused these days for what might be a work uh, disagreement sure. might be a work disagreement or whatever that people can solve. Like some of these, some of these things that get put on Twitter about things that happen at work and in game development could be solved by talking to somebody. Uh, it doesn't need to be a Twitter public Twitter fight, but you know, that, that's just my personal take on it. Not that. And before somebody says, no, I don't condone work abuse or anything like that. Like <laughs> if I did, <laughs> I wouldn't be in my position. And I would be like that, yeah, the, the
1: definition of abuse in general is kind of uh muddy or has been muddied and things can something something may not be abusive for one person like just an interaction like kind of a yelling back and forth or the kind of words people use but it can feel very differently to different people and that's that's where the things get hazy right like yeah sure you don't think it's abuse but the other person is feeling a sense of abuse and like that's just something to keep in mind yeah
2: yeah absolutely yeah i'm sure you know i'm sure you know, I, I think, like, I think the, the one sticky point to me is like, you know, oh, you know, developers got burnt out by those decisions that, you know, Ken Levine made. I was like, that's going to happen in an R&D studio. I'm sorry. Any developer will tell you that, that, like, when you're spending that much time developing the next innovative thing and it continually doesn't work out, that's going to lead to
1: burnout no matter what you do. Makes sense. Smarty the chat says, I've been here the whole time yelling <laughs> at my phone every time I disagreed with Nick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the yelling. <only, laughs> Koenig says we are uh, uh, brown says marty if nick is abusive you guys can tell us and the only time i'm abusive is in halo <laughs> so <laughs> ah. <laughs> there's clips of me abusing marty in halo
1: <laughs> right so there is proof <laughs> there,
2: there, there if you want to cancel me on twitter for kicking marty's ass in halo please do go for it <laughs> 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 but uh i think that's gonna have to wrap up our discussion uh, yeah
1: we're yeah, there was some documentary stuff you wanted to talk about as well. Or oh, no? yeah,
2: there is documentary. Speaking of game developer stuff, I need to create a scene real quick. So uh, I will go through and do that real quick. We have a new documentary coming out in uh, 14 days. And you're going to see what it is in just a second. If you're a member, you already know what it is. But now you get to see like this really cool thing I had Omar make for it. <laughs> It's a little low res and it might run a little slow because it's for social media,
1: but uh, yeah. here you go. I'm I'm excited nonetheless.
2: Yeah, our next documentary is indeed on the Dark Souls Nightfall project. It's the full conversion mod uh, for the original Dark Souls, which is basically basically a sequel to Dark Souls made by fans. Uh, it was originally supposed to release on January twenty first they just delayed it but they're they're releasing a demo on the 21st of January so our documentary will come out with that date and then get a big bu- big push again a big push a big push uh when the mod actually releases sometime after Elden Ring they said so we're uh, it's going to be a, a shorter documentary because it is on a mod project so if you've seen like our installation on one video uh it's going to be a lot like that but uh yeah we're we're uh, really excited to uh to put that out if you haven't seen the trailer for dark souls nightfall like like go look at it. it it's a really impressive mod project and it's basically like a full game on its own they've said uh so yeah we're, we're pretty honored to be able to nice. tell that story and also do a little little documentary on dark souls because from software will never talk to anybody about dark souls
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> so this is the closest we can get
2: yes um, but all right, uh, I think the last thing we got to do is read through some super chats. So if you have some thoughts on our talks today, please send those in while we start reading these off. Uh, yep, and yep. if not, then we appreciate your support and don't forget that you can listen to breakout on anchor, Spotify, uh, Apple podcasts and all that stuff. All right. Uh, justice hog. Welcome to welcome back to early access. Uh, Be smarts donates $2 says imagine dragons are you okay signal if you are under duress well Marty can't so he'll have to signal in the uh, chat if he's under duress But I'm sure he is because he's not in the podcast and his internet died so I'm sure he's not happy right now I'm sure he's banging his band <laughs> on the desk looking at his router and wanting to throw it out the window
1: And also listening to imagine dragons
2: <laughs> uh, Clutch45 donates $2 says any of you guys watch don't look up on Netflix People keep telling me to watch it. I've heard it can be very depressing and I haven't really wanted to start the year off with that. <laughs>
1: <I've heard it laughs> I, I did Very watch frustrating it. and depressing. It's the same frustrating and depressing you get from like watching the news like the last couple of years. So it, it's kind of, it's a mirror to basically society right now. <laughs> okay. And it's very heavy handed in its uh, analogy. It's essentially a, a, the climate change uh, story, right? But it's a meteor heading towards Earth so kind of letting you know (laughs) and let me guess like it's the meteor's coming towards
2: earth and nobody can agree on what they want to do to solve it and then they'll die
1: exactly exactly i mean yeah we we know that's gonna happen so it is good though i i liked it it's funny (laughs) when i see it's it's dark comedy for sure
2: when i see that meteor coming towards earth i want to know exactly where it's going to land and i'm going to put myself right underneath that spot (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was like let me just go first and immediately
2: <laughs> <laughs> like I will watch the shadow grow bigger and bigger like yes Beast of donates $10 uh, says Cobra Kai, Matrix and some of S oh, Spider-Man No Way Home are all telling the same story, Gen Xers dealing with getting old and the profit phase of the three faces of Adam how do, how do you help a new generation and are you still revelant I,
1: my, you know what I, my brain that makes a lot this. of sense that makes sense that I, telling, I like that take that they're all like yeah they're, they're basically they're like old. yeah gen xers are now in this place where they're getting ready to become the old <laughs> yeah. like they're like i mean they're old but they're getting ready to become the old and it's like okay how do i stay relevant how do i help the next generation that's coming up and taking my place that makes a lot of sense that's a good take
2: hmm. i i I, I'm just kind of really tired and sick of all this nostalgia stuff, movies and stuff right now. So I, I liked, I liked no way home. I don't think I've even been able to get my take on it. I liked no way home spoilers for no way home. Uh, well, I'm not going to do direct spoilers. I liked no yeah, way home until I shouldn't do that. I liked no way home up until the point, uh, a certain somebody dies. And then after that, it became mm. Marvel Marvel CGI fuck fest. As usual, and then I fell out, I just lost interest immediately <laughs> and the and those scenes weren't even like they were fun that movie was fun, I won't say it wasn't like the you know, the, the people that are in the movie, God, everybody knows who's in that fucking movie at this point. The, you know, I mean, all the banter and all that funny stuff. That was fun. I had fun with that. Yeah, I it's all great. I would have just taken but it like, all
1: fan service.
2: Yeah. And I, I would have taken like a, a YouTube video of those guys just meeting and, you know, really shooting the shit. Yeah,
1: it did. If it, it
2: broke the entire pace of the movie for me. <laughs>
1: Uh, i don't know if i agree with that like I, I i thought it was still a fun time yeah uh despite all of you know the the service that was going on and yes it did become a cg thing but like that's to make spider-man work you kind of do got to go that route like oh, i know sh- like maybe shang chi didn't need to but well, spider-man if, yeah. yeah that's that's a lot more fitting i
2: there, think yeah it's just it followed the marvel formula and i know i'm a broken record at that point that i don't really care for the Marvel formula. Like. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I did enjoy Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi because, like, it was visually different, even though it followed that same three-arc formula of the Marvel movies. You know, interesting opening, action-y middle CGI fuckfest at the end is basically what I think. Uh, but, like, Mar- I, I did, like, No Way Home's darker themes until the end of the movie, and then it just kind of fell apart for
1: me. Still enjoyed it. Okay. Just not... On my list of best movies ever, or anything like that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's still not the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. That's the Spider-Man uh, to Into me. the Spider-Verse. Oh well, yeah.
2: I, I, I separate <laughs> I separate that from like all the other. <laughs> I think yeah, it's like it's a thing don't. for me. Yeah, I know most Spider-Man. I don't. Man, at all. I'm an outlier on that. <laughs> uh, but okay, uh, I think that's going to be it. Unless anybody has any other super chats. Uh, but anyways, thanks for all your support. Thanks for becoming new members. Thanks for coming out to listen to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. I'm interested to see people's takes on the Levine situation. That's not on Twitter because Twitter doesn't know anything. Uh, So other than that, for myself and KC and the uh, ghost of Marty, we bid you all adieu. Uh, And I will be back streaming today at 3 with Yahtzee. Uh, We're actually not going to stream Yahtzee's Game of the Year because he doesn't want to. And I didn't want to either. (laughs) Uh, and I won't spoil what it is, but you'll understand why we didn't want to stream it when we get to that point. So today he will be streaming Babel Royale, which is the Scrabble Battle Royale game. And I'm going to play it with him, probably. <laughs> that game <laughs> it's that game is weirdly addictive. Yossi, like mentioned it to me offhand on stream, and I started playing it. It's just as intense as any other Battle Royale game, but it's Scrabble. And I hate it, and I love uh-uh. it, just that like every other Battle Royale game. It's fun. It's free to play. Go play it. uh Uh, i think yeah i'll try that (laughs) It, it, i i do sit at like i did not know i could rage at scrabble but i absolutely rage at scrabble (laughs) (laughs) because like one the way you play the game is like to not you can knock people out off the board so like there's a there's a uh space that you know it keeps getting them out keep getting smaller and then basically Mm. if you connect your letters to somebody else's active letters then you knock them out and my God, nice. you like the part of the game is like the the letters. You don't get all the letters. Like you don't finish a word and all the letters just pop back again. You have to wait. So like there's a timer and you can spend money to speed up the timer.
1: Spend so, money? Hold on.
2: Not like real money. Oh, it's like a money game. Okay. In, in the Yeah, yeah. You just earn <laughs> earn points basically for completing words. Right. And, gotcha. and taking people out and all that. So then it becomes like a song and dance of like you have to not just play the shortest words possible. You have to be strategic with your words because if you run out of letters, and somebody's like clawing their way up to you. It's intense, and it makes me incredibly angry. Because <laughs> I'm like, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And then somebody connects me to my word like, fuck! <laughs> so frustrating. Did. Nice. Uh, anyways, so we have that. Uh, there will be the best, worst, and blandest uh, uh, zero punctuation for our members in the website today. Uh, tomorrow, Jack and I will be back for today we play. I have no idea what we're playing. It's his turn. He'll probably play Dark Souls 2, because... This is what he was supposed to play last week for, you know, he was not on time again. Uh, and then Friday, uh, Amy
1: and I. Oh, don't forget, Thursday uh, is also Marty and I's Dead Space 2 stream yes. starting up. I keep forgetting that.
2: Uh, Casey and Marty is starting up Dead Space 2 from 3 to 5 p.m. Central on Thursdays. And then on Friday, uh, Design to Delve is coming soon. It's not starting up yet, but Amy and I will be back for Gears of War uh, to finish up Gears of War 1 from 3 to 5 p.m. on Friday. And then Saturday is the Mario Party Superstars game night, and I know Mario will be happy I got that name right. And then uh, the only other thing I'm thinking about starting up is maybe on Sundays, I've been talking about doing a live stream series uh, for myself, where I teach myself a little bit game development. The editor learns to code, which I'm sure will please some people and anger some people if I use that title. <laughs> so uh, we we may I may end up doing that soon. But I'm not sure how soon. We'll see. We'll see if I want to give up two hours of my Sunday to learn a useful skill that I could take farther in life. And, you know, instead of just playing a game every day. (laughs) Maybe. But all right. Uh, Casey, anything else to plug?
1: Uh, No, just uh, the Sigma show will be back this Sunday. Uh, So Sigma Gears 9 on Twitch. You can follow that. And Super Smash Sunday on the Open Party channel at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as well. So tune in for that. Uh, It'll be our first shows of the year.
2: Alright, sounds good. Well, don't forget, uh, making a Dark Souls Nightfall January 21st. I'm about to go share it on Twitter. You would do me a big favor if you went and retweeted that when I posted out. Bye, everybody. Do it. Oh, wait, we have credits. Peace. I keep forgetting. Oh, no, I didn't update the credits. Hold on. Uh, People are going to yell at me. Wait. Uh, Casey, what are you going to play today? i get this done. Uh, <laughs>
1: what am I going to play today?
2: Yeah, what game are you going to play today? Are you going to play any game today?
1: Oh, probably. Probably Monster Hunter Rise. <laughs> if I'm being if I'm being honest with myself. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't feel like playing anything else.
2: Okay. I need one more second. I don't know. I don't know what we can talk about for one second, like get the credits ready. Oh, if you I'm if you guys want to uh wait, what? <laughs> I'm playing a jack and not being ready.
1: Oh that's fine. Like they, they know is. that credits break out of the train wreck. <laughs> well then here you go.
2: Credits are up. There you go. There's credits. Bye everybody.
1: Bye.